Summer's coming to an end, Cody. Thank fucking God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I guess, I guess for someone like you, you probably do a lot of running, huh? Yes. You don't, uh, do you suffer shin splints or anything like that? Thankfully, no shin splints. Oh, that's good. Well, when I was a runner, God, I got them all the time. It was brutal. So mm-hmm. I was not the best runner. Sadly, the uh, elliptical was my best friend. But running outside in the brutal, in our case, Las Vegas heat uh, is a real challenge. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. Summer is coming to an end. And that generally meant that school is going to start and you're going to do a little clothes shopping. Absolutely. And whenever we did clothes shopping, we got a new pair of sneaks. So you showed up to school with some new sneakers on. I remember when the short top Converse debuted. I had those shits the first fucking year they were out and I was cool as fuck. Uh, And you would get some shirts, some jeans, and then we would get a hoodie. I wonder where you can get a turnbuckle boogie hoodie at. Exactly. You read my mind, folks. Summer's coming to an end. You want to get ready for the winter. As the Starks say, it's coming. <laughs> they wouldn't put it like that. I'm I just need, saying. Can we call them nipple warmers? Whatever. What's your obsession with fucking nipples? All they, right. they must be protected at all times. Are you having problems in the ring where people are like scratching you, you, your nips? You would be surprised the amount of people that do not know how to place their chops over a nipple. All right. We'll talk about that after the intro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Uh, folks, if you'd like to help support the show, maybe you just like it and you want us to get a couple of bucks in return, a good way to do that and get something for yourself is to click on the show notes, click on our Brain Buster T-Store, where you'll be re- redirected to our store where you can get Turnbuckle Boogie T-shirts or, in the case of winter coming, which it is, hoodies. I need protein powder. Please buy a hoodie. Yes. Now, without further ado, let's boogie! Now, you said during my commercial, the intro, that people are not placing their chops on your nipples? Over. You're supposed to go over. Yes. It is a very uncomfortable experience. When someone whacks you on the nips. Yes. Very much so. So it's very discouraged. Don't hit me in the nips. Yeah. You want to hit all the meaty part above. Correct. I did not know this. Yes, sir. And is it? You know, if someone whacks you in the nip, do you go, God damn, ease up with the nip shots. And if he does it one more time, then you spin him around and give him a receipt. Um, No, I just typically turn my back to them and move away from them and make enough distance so I can kick them in the gut and get them to stop hitting me in the nipple. <laughs> yeah, no receipts. Yeah. What is your threshold for receipts? Now, how bad can someone, maybe we shouldn't put this on record, but how, yeah, bad, fuck it. how bad can someone abuse you before you go, oh, you motherfucker, and then you hammer them with something? Um, so normally, uh, it's case by case scenario. Oh, hold on. Folks, welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pro wrestling historian Timothy Styles, and with me is pro wrestler Cutthroat Cody Hancock. It is I, hello, how are you? Now, 
continue your thought. So it's case by case scenario. And I think that there's, there's kind of like a few different rules of thumb, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first time, you know, if something comes in rough, right. And if I'm working with somebody that I know is a little stiff, it, well, not, not even they're not intentionally doing something, but maybe they're a little bit too excited they're ramped up or, or they're like revved up and ready to go. Like I'll give them a like, Hey, maybe not like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I will see what they return with. And most of the time they return with something that is more working class and people have complained about me before uh, because I I'm, I would like to call myself working class snug. I, and, as a fan, appreciate it. Yes. I'm not here to watch people go through a fucking routine. Goddamn lay that shit in. Now, yeah. of course you as pro wrestlers, like uh, we're not trying to kill each other, but at the same time I paid money to see something. Yes. So and it's a fine line that has to be walked. And I have an expectation of what I like, you know, and I also will willingly, I will never hit anybody harder than I am willing to be hit. Hmm. That is my rule of thumb. So, right. and, and that, that mileage may vary from person to person. I suppose it, if it were me, I'd go, Hey brother, lay that shit in. I'm taking next week yeah. off. And, and that's, and it's one of those things that there's like an unspoken thing when you're wrestling people that, you know, their threshold, right. right? And they're a little soft. No, 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 no. The, the people that, you know, their threshold, they're the ones that you can go the hardest with. Yeah, no, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. So but for those ones that are like, Ooh, yeah. And, <laughs> and at that point, there's been other times though where I'll I'll give somebody at least three shots on me, mm-hmm. right? And then I'll evaluate. I'm like, okay, that first one was kind of rough, and then I'll end up if there's somebody that maybe I don't think the most of, I'll give it back to them, right? Right? And sometimes when you give it back to them the same way they give it to you, it gets them to subconsciously realize, oh shit. I don't want to be hit like that. So then they'll it smarts yeah, I like that term. Uh, yeah. Smarts. They'll, they'll, they'll dial it back into where it becomes more working and then I'll start working with them. And then in some occasions, and it's happened before they'll hit you back harder. Right. And then at that point, then it turns into, okay, I can play this game right. and I don't know how far you're willing to go. Yeah. And I will silently just start hitting them even harder. Right. And then if they say something along the lines of, Hey man, what the fuck? And like, yeah, you too, buddy. So then there's, there's been some people too, that I have also been just, you know what? It's this person. I'm not inviting them over for Thanksgiving dinner, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna take care of it. And I, what does that mean? Um, you're saying you go hard in the paint, or you? Oh, I, or I the opposite. Oh, I I hit them so hard the paint falls off. Well, right? I'm saying yeah. like you would think that the the maybe the people who you have the most trust with, who maybe you do invite to. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Those are the ones you can hit the hardest. They are. And as opposed to the, the pardon the expression, the pussies who can't take it. Like we're not selling any tickets with this fucking match. Let's get through it. Right. And I, and I think that that's one of those things that everyone should have an expectation of 
there are things that are going to be hard hits guaranteed all the time if they're done correctly. Right. Chops. If they're done correctly, you're going to get hard. It's going to fucking hurt. Forearms. If they're done correctly, you're going to get hard. It's probably going to suck a little bit. Clubs to the back. It's going to come hard. Oh, can I mention one? uh, Give a little credit to somebody out there. Please. And specifically, I'm wearing his shirt. Yes. Today. Uh, uh, (laughs) Some weeks ago, he had a match where someone was lighting him up. Um, uh, And someone lit him up. And with each one... I mean, he was taking full on back bumps. He was selling even a, like a good, a good just chop. He would just go, ooh, even make a face like that stings. Mm-hmm. You know, the it smarts face, uh, <laughs> and it's like, wow, this guy's really putting over this guy's stuff. You know, as opposed to what pretty much everyone is doing right now, which is like, I chopped the shit out of you until you can't take it anymore. You spin me around and. And uh, give me some business back. He was just selling everything like crazy, mm-hmm. uh, which I absolutely enjoyed. We talked before we hit record about Will Ospreay and how sort of other level he was. Yes. But another good seller of chops, or one specifically, and it's today's subject matter, Terry Funk. Yes. I remember seeing a video of Terry Funk in a tag match, and he was facing off with Giant Baba. And Giant Baba gave him, uh, I think he, Terry Funk gave him a chop. Giant Baba turned him around and just gave him one. Bow! And Terry Funk stands up straight out of the corner, takes a few steps going, ooh, ooh. And then he he goes and he tags his partner. And then before he gets out of the ring, he walks back over to Baba and shakes his hand like, God, <laughs> God damn. That was a good one. And it, it was fucking brilliant because you don't see that shit. It, nowadays, it's it's the fighting spirit. You know, we got to stand toe to toe and face off. And it's like, I want to see someone sell some shit and put somebody over a little bit. Yep. Because it adds color to the match. Not everyone can be the badass from whatever town they're in. Right. And I feel like even for me, I am very guilty of the trade-off spot. You know, like I'm very guilty of that. But before I go into absorption mode, I am in I'm going to sell mode. And that's the thing is, is that it's um, it's a delicate art. For sure. And there's some people that just don't understand how to do it properly. It's a shame that those people are, get into the industry and continue to exist for years. Yes, very much so. <laughs> you would think that at a certain point they would be weeded out. But no, they can continue to exist because there's no there's no governing board. There's no regulations on what it takes to be a performer, sadly. Yeah, well, and it's going back to one of the most frustrating things about wrestling and also one of the most liberating things about wrestling is it, and I say it a bunch of times, there's no rules. It's subjective. Yeah. It is subjective. It is a matter of somebody else's opinion. And I've, man, the amount of people that I have seen that have made more money than me that I know that I am better than. Right. And I am not the type of person to ever i i don't really sing my praises out loud on top of rafters and i'm the best thing that's ever happened to hey look man maybe the next move for old cutthroat cody is to go the way of the rock start talking in third person Uh, well i'm not going to talk in third person but i start putting yourself over i i will i will tell you confidently that as far as las vegas Mm -hmm. goes 
I am the impact that I have made on this city upon the people that I have trained and the impact of the matches that I have had. I am most certainly You're proud of your work. Yes. I am most certainly probably within the top five best wrestlers that have come out of Las Vegas. I'll agree. Yes. You know, I'm sure being the wrestling fans that you are, you are well aware of the NWA, the largest wrestling conglomerate in wrestling today with over 220 syndicated stations. And I'm sure you're also familiar with the AWA and the WWF. These are all multi-million dollar organizations. But yet, there is a new one on the sunrise, on the sunrise in Florida. And do you know what that organization is? That is the F, F, and F. Funk, Funk, and Florida. Believe me, the Funk Brothers have come to Florida, and now we don't have millions of dollars. We don't have money to throw around. We don't have 220 syndicated stations. But what are we? We are individuals, and we are the best athletes in professional wrestling today. Now, aren't you Haitians? Aren't you Cubans? Aren't you crackers so fortunate to have the Funk brothers around? Tor Dory and Terry Funk. Now, what has happened to Black Jack Mulligan? Well, he's become what he once be was before. He is a chicken-plucking chicken back in Sweetwater, Texas, because he realized that if he stayed around the state of Florida that he wouldn't be able to compete, to be on the main events, because he is a lesser caliber wrestler than what the Funks are. He is not a has-been. I hate to inform you people that that the old prune-faced, wrinkled-up Black Jack Mulligan is what I have always said he was, is and never was. Now, we have got Mike Rotundo. Oh, Mike, aren't you so pretty? Aren't you so handsome? Look in yourself in the mirror, and there is the last time that you will ever get to see yourself looking like that because we have got the money up, the dollars, the silver dollars, money on the line that you will be putting out of wrestling. Now let's get down to Kevin Sullivan. Is this all that you have left is Kevin Sullivan? And he's crying that he has not Black Jack Mulligan anymore. Well, he's begging for the American dream. Don't you realize Dusty Rhodes will not come in here and help you, Sullivan? Do you know why? Because he is nothing more than an overbearing, obnoxious, putrid, egg-sucking dog that wouldn't come in here and take a chance because he's yellow like his hair. 
He won't take a chance being your partner, Sullivan. No, he wouldn't take a chance with the funks with a Sherman tank. He wouldn't take a chance with the funks with a battleship. He would not take a chance with the funks in the ring with Holly North. And neither would Holly North take a chance in getting in the ring with my brother here on my show. Well, Terry, I just want to promise everybody that this Florida Heavyweight Championship belt, which is what we came to the state of Florida for, is going to stay around my waist. I don't care what the NWA says. I don't care what Championship Wrestling from Florida says, the commission. And the only way anybody's going to take this belt away from me is to pin my shoulders to the mat for a three count. And that challenge is open to Mike Rotundo. Well, with that in mind, let's talk about one of the absolute greatest of all time. Now, I want to make a little insurance statement here. This episode is being aired three weeks after it's being recorded. That is a long time. As it stands, when it airs, or actually when we're, we would normally have recorded it, I will be out of town in beautiful Washington State. Hell yeah. Uh, having a slight vacation with my family. So... um Cody and I recorded several in one sitting. <laughs> we have we got a bunch in the can, baby. Yeah, which we've never done three in a row. But uh, man, I feel pretty good about everything we've done so far. But <clears throat> uh, I say this because if for some reason the industry changes in three weeks, or knock on wood, we got we got some things get even worse for Terry Funk, and we're not mentioning it. Uh, that is, this is the reason why this was recorded three weeks ago. Now, now that I got the insurance out of the way and people understand Terry Funk is one of the greatest professional wrestlers in history. Yes. Why do you think that is? I think the ability to evolve, I think the testament to put every ounce of give a fuck into what he was doing. And I think the ability to know when to be the tough badass and knowing and the guy selling the chop. Yes. And the, the understanding that, you know, Terry Funk, the moonsault was not a regular part of his move set until he entered his middle aged and crazy years. And <laughs> he was always crazy. Oh, he was always crazy. He was the crazier of the uh, two of the Funk family. Certainly. And uh, hold on. We had Dory, Dory Jr. and Terry. Terry. Yeah, he was the craziest of the three. Yes. And the uh, he was. Was it WrestleMania three that he had a. Oh, man. I remember seeing a match with him and Moondog Spot. It may have been WrestleMania three. And. I think Jimmy Hart was his manager and I don't think he had a, he had the Texas gimmick. I think he was still Terry Funk, but he came out with chaps on and a bull, a bull rope. And Did he have the branding iron? I think he maybe a branding iron or a cowbell at the end of it. And it had the big hat and a big fat dip of preposterous size, just like Stan Hansen where it was, it was so huge. It was, Hanging out of his mouth. Hell yeah. Which I don't know whose idea this was of you should have so much chaw 
so much uh what's that called red man or whatever it is it's copenhagen uh, no no the long cut stuff yeah that it was just physically hanging out of his mouth and he would spit on the camera and stuff which is disgusting mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> i just remember like the the big gimmick was like he he went out and cut a promo on moondog and he uh, he was like, you don't want to have this match with me, do you? And Moondog was just limited to head shakes. No, I don't. He's like, oh, let's leave together and both get counted out. And then he backstabs him, but things go horribly wrong. And Terry Funk ends up being counted out. Yep. Just a, a phenomenal performer in seemingly every way. He could talk talk he was a wild card wrestler yes and like i said i think that he i I don't want to call him the first outlaw right because Mm. i feel like that's something that um who who would qualify as that who would probably maybe the original sheik oh yeah you know but um the he came up through the era of spilling blood and wild and brawls being from Texas. It was it was common. Yeah, and Our wire matches. Yep, and I think that that's one thing that uh, he. I think that more people should look at his body of work to find the other things to celebrate, uh, as opposed to the violence. But the violence was spectacular. It's impossible to deny. Yeah, and I think that. He, like I said, it's going to be, it's, it's really challenging. And I think that the challenge that has been faced with me specifically when we're doing these episodes Mm -hmm. and we pick the topic of somebody who has the praises have already been sung. You know what I'm saying? Like what else is there left to say about this person who has made such a profound impact on the industry, right. but it's and it's impossible not to repeat somebody else's opinion. Right. But sure. I mean, we're here to express our own, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I kind of like about Terry Funk is that he seemed to be someone who just loved doing it. This is a guy who had a, an entire ranch and horses and all this sort of shit. It was a beloved person in Texas. You know, he would make money doing fucking, you know, car commercials for whatever local dealership. And, you know, uh, also had a, had, he was involved with the film industry as well for a little bit. Hey man, Roadhouse is where it's at. Yes, I th- wait sir. a minute. You said last week that you don't like watching action movies, and Roadhouse is the ultimate action movie. Well, I I, I have an exception for Terry Funk. Let's say that. Oh, I see. You know, he was also <laughs> in The Ringer. Oh, with uh, Johnny Knoxville? Yes, sir. You know, I watched that movie once, and uh, there's a reason why I didn't watch it twice. It wasn't bad. It was like, eh, okay, I get it. I don't remember him at all. He was in it. As a what? I, I believe Not that as- he was like a henchman. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> he's a henchman in every movie. He's yes. In. <laughs> That's what's brilliant about it. <laughs> what a gig, huh? Mm-hmm. What if you can get work? It's just I'm henchman number five in every movie I'm in. And I also know that he did fight choreography for, I believe, a fight scene in Rocky Five. Oh, with the, the machine gun, Tommy, what's his face? <clears throat> yes. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, <clears throat> but... 
it's clear that he really loves it because it seems like, you know, when he was in his uh, in his ECW years, he was obviously very old then. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is this guy doing this? He just did it because he liked it, I think, unless he had some crazy debts to the mafia that I don't know about. Yeah, you could you could tell that he loved doing it. And even uh, go and watch Beyond the Mat. Yeah. And the... He's trying to help establish ECW. And the doctor the whole entire time is telling him, I don't understand why you're walking because there is absolutely no cartilage in both your fucking knees. Yeah. And, you know, in that documentary, they show him just getting out of bed and it's a sad sight. Yeah. And his tidy whities And he's, ah. And (laughs) it's like, why, why does someone like this do it? And there, and that's the one thing that I think resonates in anyone that is involved in the professional wrestling industry is that you can't explain why you love it. And wrestling has always been ridiculous. I've heard that. I've heard that if you're able to explain it, you're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah. And I, I very much cannot explain why I love it, but there's I so also, much, there's so much to not be able to defend about it that it's like, why do you do this stupid shit? I don't know. Right. Well, and it, it just kind of turns into this. There are moments that have happened in my life that I would never be able to recreate in any other scenario other than being in a professional wrestling ring. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the kind of the sad part about the tale is, is that how many times has Terry Funk retired? You know, I don't know. What do you think if you had to guess? It's been quite a bit. He's had more than one retirement match and over five, probably Hmm. close to five. I mean, why I'm well, Maybe it's a mentality of um, that uh, it's just pro wrestling and everyone knows it's all bullshit. So let's use a retirement as an angle. And it could be. But at the same time, I also myself, I've had to step away from wrestling before. Yeah. And when I was injured, we did the I'm Hurt podcast, which is on YouTube for anyone that's interested in listening to that from from years ago 2016 yeah and it was a very different period of my life and i was trying to find a way to divorce professional wrestling yeah and i couldn't because you tore your rotator cuff yep and i was given an opportunity to make a fuck ton of money doing something that I never wanted to do. Right. And I've never been more miserable in my life. Uh, And uh, my life is very different now and I'm very thankful for it. And I mean, there's challenges. Don't get me wrong, but every day I'm, this is actually something really funny to bring up. So many people know I was involved in the restaurant industry for a very long time. Right. And it's a good way to make extra money and control your schedule. Yes. And it, it facilitated me wrestling for quite some time to the point to where wrestling kind of finally got to a period where I didn't have to work in the restaurant industry anymore. And I, and most people in show business have a, have a stint as a waiter. Yes. It's a good way to make tip money yep. and control your schedule. Yep. And I, oftentimes am walking around in public now and I see these people that I used to absolutely dread waiting on. Mm. Right. And it, it 
has happened to me three times this week alone and they never come up to me, but they always look at me and their eyes squint and not one person has approached me yet. And I'm not going to approach them because if I were to approach them, it would be with like, yeah, just so you know, everybody doesn't like you. Mm. You treat people poorly and you get away with it because they are paid to be nice to you. And yeah, I got no respect for that kind of person. Yeah. The sense of relief that I have to not have to entertain them treating me poorly, you know, and it's all through professional wrestling and I'm very fortunate and I'm very lucky. And I, I've fought through some injuries like right now. uh, Something that I'm not talking a lot about is that I'm dealing with numbness in my uh, left arm Mm. as well as my thumb. And sometimes it goes throughout my arm and sometimes it's just my thumb and I probably have like a compressed nerve or something like that. And you most certainly have a compressed nerve. Excellent. Feels fun. I mean, it's generally the consensus is that if you're feeling numbness, one of your discs in your spinal column is, or two of them are pinching a nerve and that's why you're not feeling anything in your hands. Just so you know. Delicious. So, but, um, I, I'm doing okay. It's getting better. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And I'm being proactive about taking care of my health and things like that. But I can't, I can't put my foot off the gas right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's too much at stake. And now I'm faced with the situation much like Terry Funk. You know, if it takes me a little bit longer to get out of bed, I understand why I get it. You know, I, I have more of an understanding of what makes that person's brain tick, mm-hmm. but yet I can't explain it in words. Yeah. Yeah. Mick Foley had the same thing. I remember reading, I think it was Mick Foley's second book where, wait a minute. Yeah. It's his second book where he details the time period from when he won the uh, first championship. I think it's called Hardcore Diaries, maybe. I believe no, so. No, no, no. Uh, have a nice day was the first one. And then it was, I think it was hardcore diaries. Well, it was like, and why the world is faker than wrestling. wrestling yes. Whatever it was, but that was a subtitle, <clears throat> but in it, he details from when he won the championship, which is where the first book ends, uh, to the point of when he retired. And then the second half of the book is, is a, a essentially a doctoral dissertation, a very long essay on why as i already mentioned why the world is faker than wrestling Mm -hmm. you know um but he's someone who says in that book i believe that uh he did not want to be like terry funk in all the retirements ironically he would go on to do exactly that of course come out of retirement periodically for sadly for money yeah even though he didn't need it he just you know he wanted to have it yep um, you know, I don't know. I'd like to think that I was a, a man of my word. And if I were in the same position that I wouldn't do that, but there is no honor amongst thieves. No. 
and your word doesn't mean shit or doesn't have to in the world of wrestling. I mean, the, Vince McMahon did that shit a lot where he would just go, and then we're going to have a retirement match. And then the person would go, but I'm not ready to retire. He goes, ah, we'll just have you back in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, and I'm it, even it, guilty of like, I had technically a retirement match, but I was very careful about not letting it be word as, worded as a retirement match. Mm-hmm. Cause I knew at some point I was going to come back to wrestling. I just didn't know when, when I tore my rotator cuff. So it was just, I wrestled under my real name for the first time, Cody Hancock mm-hmm. against Nick Bugatti, who was my arch nemesis, right. uh, who has been sent here from hell to destroy me. <laughs> and, uh, and a really colorful, interesting part of hell. Yes, very much so. <laughs> and who recently redebuted, And I, mm-hmm. I'm extremely bereaved with the fact that this person who is also my friend is also back in wrestling because he annoys the, the shit out of me. Come on. Kayfabe, <laughs> brother. Come hey, on. I, I, believe me. I know. I know. Uh, but I, I knew I was going to come back, you mm-hmm. know, but at the same time, I didn't know if I was going to be able to. And I wanted to have that match with Nick because I knew I couldn't have that match with anybody else. And if you ask him, to this day, that's still one of his favorite matches that he had as well. Right. And then like, like I said, you just, there's nothing else in the world like it. And the, the, Hey, and as fans, we need to uh, just not put uh, as much as you guys, the professional wrestling industry want us to, um, can't put too much stock in, uh, some of these, uh, what do you call those? The, sanctions or whatever the way yep. you know, the word i'm looking for escapes me but when when someone goes we're having a retirement match just go yeah yeah whatever i'll be there to play along but and i don't buy this shit for two seconds and i've oftentimes found in people within uh my circle that don't cross the threshold of being like widely known um they don't have retirement matches they just stop you know right. and i i actually the other day I spent some time. Even fucking Steve Austin came out of retirement. Oh, yeah! Never thought that was going to happen, did you? Jeez, Louise! I mean, this is someone who I actually, I was actually quite proud of how he handled it. He completely dis, just took himself out of the industry and was away for, uh, I believe, twenty years. Yep. And he came back for one night. Now I know a lot of people were happy about that, and the entire roster can thank him for the house. Quite honestly. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> but. Uh, Eh, you know, whatever. I, I, me personally, I wish that he didn't because I thought he handled it with such grace. Yep. You know, Shawn Michaels, I don't think he handled it with grace at all. Showed up bald as fuck and yep. out of shape and had that stinker of a match well, that, in Saudi Arabia. That, that Saudi Arabia money hits God. different, dog. <laughs> that blood money hits different. <laughs> yeah, that's really showing your, your true colors. Well, Not that he's any worse than anyone else. Yep. I'm sure he was offered millions of dollars. Like, yeah, we're going to have a tag match and you'll be in there for 10 minutes. Just throw a few super kicks and you'll make seven figures. And he's like, all right. right. You know, like, well, uh, and, but so it's, it's weird because I always mention people pick and choose who they want to be mad at. And I think it's, people need to understand a little bit more of uh, their personal opinions on matters 
instead of giving blanket statements, because since we're talking about Terry Funk, since we're talking about retirements. Oh, do I even need to bring up Ric Flair like I did last week? Well, (laughs) let's, let's delve a little bit deeper into the topic because it's something that should be talked about. Sure. Ric Flair wearing a t-shirt of all things. Not, not just Ric Flair wearing a t-shirt, but Ric Flair being almost immobile and the polarizing uh I mean I hear that shit was it was not bad it was oh, scary it was scary I, like yeah. this guy is going to fucking uh what's that character from the wrestler Randy the Ram Yeah well I'm He's not going to ram himself I'm not going to go into too much detail cuz I know that you said on the last episode that you didn't watch the match I've watched the match Yeah um more than once and because I For the educational purposes um it, well I, I i found it fascinating I, and i kind of wanted to uh piece together what could be happening in the scenario and it's clearly speculation but sure. they had probably talked a really big game plan mm-hmm. that did not get to pan out yeah and it was very clear in certain situations of the match to where you could see they were going to do this here and it couldn't happen because he physically was enabled of getting to that position. Right. And, uh, there was specifically a superplex setup and, you know, like once again, like who am I to say anything? Because I don't know what's going to happen. I've, I've told people, I don't want to be the old timer that hangs on for too long. Right. But at the same but time, at the same time, it is your living. It, it not only, and you can't just go. All right, I retire without a huge nest egg, right? Uh, so chances are you might be well into it, into your fifties, and 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 so on. All right, fans, we're standing by here with Terry Funk. Rick Flair has said that on July the first, right here on Superstation TBS. He will make his announcement whether to surrender the championship or to defend the championship. But I'll tell you this, off the record, he said he was going to take care of you one way or the other somewhere down the line, my friend. Oh, let me tell you something, Jim Ross, and you simple-minded people. I had a dream last night. Oh, yes, and it was a beautiful dream. I dreamed that I was on the front porch of the Double Cross Ranch and my father, who's long since gone, was there in a swing swinging with me and up drove a long black limousine and the left front fender was dinted in and the door opened and out stepped a beautiful lady and my daddy said, woman, what happened to your left front fender? And she says, I ran over some kind of an animal on the road. I don't know what it was. My daddy said, well, what did it look like? And she says, well, it had great big ears. And it had nostrils, big, huge nostrils, about five inches apart. And it had horse teeth. And it smelled real bad. And my daddy said, my world, girl, you must have ran over a jackass. And I said, what did it smell like? She said, it smelled like hairspray and cheap cologne. I said, woman, you didn't run over any jackass. You ran over Ric Flair. Is he dead? 
She says, no, but the last time I saw him, he was running scared. Well, let me tell you something, Ric Flair. You look at me in the eye because I am looking at you. You realize that you must live not in the future because there is none. You must live in the past. Give up that belt or else stick your neck out one more time for me. Stick it out for me, Flair, you gutless individual. I'm talking to you. That's enough. Stick it out. Stick it out. We're not going to listen anymore to this, fans. We'll be back with the Steiners in just a moment. And and that's a thing too is is that I, I I spent some time yesterday with some people that have walked away from the industry for, um, for good reasons. You know, uh, I told you about Vincent Impact Pride, who was a oh, student yeah. from Future Stars of Wrestling that sustained a really horrific uh, neck injury while he was given a really tremendous opportunity. He had a tryout. Match. He had a tryout for WWE uh, during uh, an Evolve show. And, and broke his, and his neck. had his neck broken by somebody that was very careless. Yes. And there was nobody there to reprimand the other person. There didn't seem to be very much concern for his well-being. That's an and indie show. then he ended up, I'm pretty sure he got surgery, and then he ended up coming back around for a little bit of time, but he couldn't shake the um, the severity of what happened to him. And is, it, the, is the the stigma, the fear sets in of is this what we're talking? I, I about? can assume. I can. I'm assuming right now because I've never really point blank asked him. Right. But he's still. Uh, uh, we we talk about the 600 club right and the 600 club no we didn't talk about that on the well, air we were not on the air but off the air so let me explain the 600 club real quick the 600 club was vincent impact pride jody the wrestler sandra moon and lazarus and i had plucked them out of fsw's kids class because i saw that they had potential real potential and I said, okay, well, you got to stop playing and you got to start seeing if this is something that you want to consider. Explain the name, though. And the name 600. of... Uh, we would do 600 squats at the end of every training session. Right. And people can say whatever they want to about uh, specifically Jody the Wrestler, um, who... What do people say about him? <laughs> um, lots of things, but oh. he does not look like he has done 600 squats in his life. Oh, yeah. Very but skinny guy. I can guarantee you he's done more squats than some people that are actually signed to major contracts. Well, he's done more than me. Yep. And <laughs> and that's and that's the thing is, is that, you know, for, for Vinny, it was... At first, I remember thinking, oh, it's so hard to see him go away. I should try to talk him back into it. And we had a really good time celebrating his birthday the other day. And I thought before I went to see him, let me ask him to see what he thinks. And then when I saw he was happy, he was healthy. Right. And I just realized, man, I... I don't even want to ask him because yeah. I think he's just fine. And when I 
left, we went to go see a movie and I just told him, I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about you. I think, I think that you're in a good place and he, he is. And I also spent a little bit of time with Patrick who was, uh, the first person that was indoctrinated into the order of illumination, which was my satanic cult in future stars of wrestling. Yes. And Your faction. Yes. And I had a fantastic time with him. Is he uh, out of the business now? He's out of the business as well. And we talked a little bit about the business, but he's a father and he's a wonderful father. And his wife also was involved in the business and she's a wonderful mother and they're just wonderful people. And I just, there's always a part of me that still wishes that they were in it because right. you want to be surrounded with good people. And there's a lot of shitheads in there. Unfortunately. So, but then I have to like, look at them. And then I was kind of left in my head for a little bit at the end of yesterday. And I'm about to go to bed and I'm just thinking like, I don't know if I can do it. And that scares me. I don't know if I can get out. These guys broke out of prison and you're a lifer. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is kind of frightening a little bit, but at the same time, Mm. people like Terry Funk make it seem romantic to me. Uh, Romantic in one way, but also in the, as it pertains to beyond the mat, there's also a sad side of that. Oh yeah. Because you know, we as fans watch the matches and go, Wow. But the sad side is, is this motherfucker trying to get out of bed and his tidy whities and his knees are the shits. Yep. And there's the dark side to it, unfortunately, of being that physical. Because at a certain point, basically about somewhere in your 40s, the body starts breaking down and hopefully it's, you know, you're doing something to take care of it. Yep. And I think that it's, it's, you know, and I always go back to Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Great which, send off for both of them. <laughs> what 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 which very well could have been the greatest retirement match in the history of wrestling, and then if only one of them didn't have to pay so much alimony, it could have uh, stayed that way, <laughs> right? And and it's just one of those things, man. Like it's it, it's it. You joked before we filmed three episodes in a row, and you just said, "Keep me laughing." Right. Like you're like, just, just, you just, just <laughs> yes, and, a little peek behind the curtains, folks. Yes. Uh, when things get a little serious around here, I tend to go, oh, but if you can keep me laughing, I'll be engaged. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is that I do feel like there are some situations that you, you do have to kind of talk about some, I talk about rough stuff all the time. It happens, man. Yeah. It's, it's the way of the world. You know, this show is about finding the, the fun and the funny in the industry, as well as the, the, the bad part of it's the bad part of it's good Christ. Hello everyone. I'm new to English. I've been hitting the head so many times yeah, and no. I understand you have to correct me all the time. You're allowed <laughs> to have a slip up my guy. Just, <laughs> yes. just, just allow yourself to slip up. You're I, good. I corrected you so much that eventually I had to stop because uh, it's like, Oh, he's not learning every time I stop him to say library. <laughs> yeah. Library. <laughs> so for those that don't know, I did have a speech impediment growing up. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, why it, are you? I should get a different wrestler for this podcast. Yeah, it might be a good idea. <laughs> I, I think at this point, man, I think I've given enough hot takes to where people probably don't want to hear shit out of my mouth. Look, yeah, it's, the serious stuff comes up a lot, comes up on every episode regardless. Yeah. You know, we talked about uh, steroids essentially last week. Yep. and Which yeah. I'm, I'm going to thank you. 
for giving me the opportunity to be honest and candid with that. Sure, of course. Yeah. That, uh, but, but that's the point of this show, you know, not to talk about how the, the sausage is made, but I just want to be honest. Yeah. The problem with pro wrestling, one of the problems I should say, is that there are a lot of things that because of generations of of just brainwashing that it's like, well, we can't talk about this. We can't talk about that. We can't talk about this. It's like, why can't you talk about it? Let's just talk about it and then just say, I agree or I disagree, or this is the way it is. Or, you know, I think that there's a perfectly reasonable way to, to do it. Yep. Um, you know, and if I ever say anything that's salacious, that behind the scenes could cause you trouble, just instead of uh, saying, Hey, you can't talk about that. Just say, I disagree with you. Yes. That's, uh, I think, a more mature way to handle it. However, another problem with the industry is not everyone in it is mature. And that that is a very true statement. So swinging back over to the, before we recorded, you told me that you might not, you might not have the most positive things to say about Terry Funk. And so I far- I misled you. Yeah. I misled, because- the reason why it was that I said that was you don't think much of the rock and I don't think as much of Terry Funk. Mm -hmm. What I should have said was I'm not as in love with Terry Funk as seemingly everybody I fucking know. Yes. I think he's a perfectly competent wrestler. I think I, I, he's a great as a wild card. I never knew if he was a baby face or actually I take that back. I did know when he was a heel mm -hmm. because it was obvious. And I did know when it was, he was a baby face. <laughs> but he was such a, a, like on the fringe of the industry at all times. Yes. You know, it was just this sort of person that was always around, almost like Abdullah the Butcher, mm -hmm. just sort of always around and everywhere. You know, you'd see him pop up. He was one thing here. And then you'd see him in a different promotion and he was a completely other thing. He was this almost sort of um, chameleon. And he would just do just random things that some of them I thought were fun and some of them I'd go, eh, you know, he's just a guy. Yeah. You know, like if you ever like if he ever got knocked silly or something, he, he, he had the best cells where he would, you know, if you, if you jacked his jaw, he'd throw a couple of phantom punches at the air. Yes. Like he didn't know where he was. And then he the, do the, the, the flare flop face yeah. down, just like, Ugh. I, 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 the most fun that I had doing, uh, cause I always will try to watch a match on the subject matter. Right. Right. You know, so I went and I watched some Terry Funk matches and there was a, one that was around, I want to say 1984. Uh, it was all Japan. And the first match was him and Bruiser Brody. Mm -hmm. And Brody ends up splitting his ear open, like really grisly with a chair. Right. The match doesn't have a finish because Stan Hansen comes out and gets involved. And it builds up to a tag match between Dory Funk a Jr. Whole series of fucking lunatics yeah, in there. And Terry Funk versus Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. And then the tag match, Stan Hansen had given Terry Funk a lariat on the outside of the ring. And I mean, everyone in that match was white hot and the crowd was just electric and a bunch of streamers for the entrance that were all ringside. And Stan Hansen goes to lariat Terry Funk outside of the ring. The camera disappears off Terry Funk. And then when the camera comes back over to Terry Funk, he had buried himself 
under all of the streamers. Uh-huh. And it was so fucking funny. Right. It was so ridiculous. It was so over the top. And like, once again, it's just, um, I'm, I'm taking the piss out of the rock last episode for being over the top, but then it's okay for Terry Funk <laughs> right. to complete because he, he's earned your respect. He looked like fucking cousin. It <laughs> like, just, <laughs> like colorful cousin. It just like, and he's rolling around and wincing and you can't see anything other than this mass of just confetti paper. Yeah. And it was, I just let it pass because it's Terry Funk. Yeah. It, it, it's, I don't hate Terry Funk. I don't dislike him. I don't. I just, I suppose I would not rush out to buy a t-shirt despite the fact that he was um, one of the most respected and beloved figures in the professional wrestling industry. That's probably what I would have said uh, to make more sense. I mean, he's responsible for some of the funnest promos that I've ever seen. Specifically, I remember There was one where he's talking to the horse's ass. You know... I've been riding all morning long out here on the Double Cross Ranch. I rode 10 miles in every direction. And I have been looking for Eddie Gilbert. Eddie Gilbert, hot stuff, is supposed to meet me out here on the Double Cross Ranch so I can explain to him the rules of a Texas chain match massacre. Let me tie up my horse Clyde here, and then I'll see if I can find Gilbert anywhere around. Come on, Clyde. I've been looking high and low for Eddie Gilbert, and I can't find him anywhere. I've looked all over this dadgum double-cross ranch. Oh, there you are. It's so good to see you, hot stuff. Now I would like to explain to you the rules and the regulations of a Texas chain match massacre. Are you ready to listen? Are you? Well, I hope so, hot stuff, because you realize there's no stopping because of blood in a Texas chain match. Falls do not count. There's no count outside of the ring. No count on the floor. No time limit. There's only one way to win the match. Do you understand that, Eddie? I certainly hope that you do, because how you win the match is you have to pull your opponent around to four corners in succession. Both of us will be chained together with this eight-foot chain, Eddie, and I'm going to pull you around to uno, dos, trace, and cuatro corners, and the match will be over. Now, you tell me what you think about that, Eddie. Your voice has changed, but your breath is still the same. Oh, my goodness. Hot stuff. Oh my goodness. There was one that uh, I used to laugh at relentlessly. I had this tape. It was some Japanese tape. It was for FMW, I think. And uh, <laughs> I forget who he was. Maybe it was Onita that he was cutting a promo on or Cactus Jack or somebody. But at a certain point, you know, he's talking in English and he's going, you're like a chicken. Bok, 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 chicken. chicken. Do, you under, do you understand chicken? Bok, bok. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing, him trying to explain. What a chicken though, is. Even though there's <laughs> Japanese subtitles, he's like going, bok, bok, chicken. Do you get it? Yep. <laughs> yes. But he was such a, a, just a wild card. But, you know, there's a lot of people who are, considered great 
that I just go, ah, you know, everyone's got, you know, their favorite, but they're, it's almost like they're not human. You know, the, the bruiser Brodies, the, uh, Abdullah, the butchers, these guys who were never really tied down to one promotion for too long. Mm -hmm. And they just bounced around and he falls in that category for me. Yeah. So, cause he never really got to, with the exception of ECW, he never really stayed in one place outside of, you know, the NWA. I think he was an NWA champion. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, the world's heavyweight champion. It's not the world heavyweight champion. It's world's, the world's uh, apostrophe S heavyweight champion, you know, and, and ECW where he helped get them into pay-per-view and get off the ground. But I mean, by then, and that's really where I absorbed him the most. He was almost like your kindly uncle Graham or your kindly grandpa or something at that point. Yeah. He just did wild shit, put the ladder over his head and spin in circles. Ladder man. And spin in circles and do all this kind of wild shit. But you know, during that time it, for me was like, it was about RVD and Sabu and Raven and, you know, characters like that who weren't already grandfathers. Yeah. Lazarus did a ladder man spot in that ladder match where I probably slipped my disc mm. <laughs> and everyone was too chicken shit to actually go and get hit by the fucking ladder. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I suppose it would be fun. Here's a good spot idea. I like that. I'm pitching spots. Someone gets in the ladder man spot, as you call it. And, Every if it's got to be a multi man match, of course, and everyone's in the ring, and the guy at this point, every match in the fucking industry is a multi man match. Let's uh, be let's be honest here. Yeah, so the guy starts spinning, but people don't move in; they just stand and start ducking as it goes around. Then he it works a little like duck duck goose. He spins, and everyone and he goes, oh, let me try the other way. Yeah, maybe he catches one person, and that guy powders out. Then maybe he catches another. Yeah, it's kind of like a guessing game. I think that'd be fun. I would have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> I, uh, well, you can't just dive in and double leg them. You have to play the duck, duck, goose where everyone stands in a circle and ducks yes. for a little bit. Yes. <clears throat> I like Terry Funk. Yeah. I especially like Roadhouse. I hate to bring that up again. But That's God okay. Damn, it's a good fucking movie. There's a lot of people that sing the praises of Roadhouse. I mean, he tears a guy's fucking throat out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and look, as far as action movies go, uh, Patrick Swayze had a couple of good ones. Uh, Point Break is a fucking classic. But Roadhouse is funny because why I think that it's different than other action movies is there's one line. And it's the not the main bad guy, you know, not the this is my town, don't you forget it guy, but his henchman, his main henchman, who for some reason is a black belt in kung fu. <laughs> you know, it's a guy who wears, he basically dresses like Jay Leno, blue jeans, denim shirt with it open uh he this guy gets him in a like a rear naked choke and he says this one line this is what i think differentiates makes it not just an action movie but a psychotic uh a, a psycho thriller he says i used to fuck guys like you in prison <laughs> i used to fuck guys like you in prison in their big fight scene, middle of fight, he threatens them with butt fucking. I, I mean, I back then that was a threat. It's still a threat today. It's a promise to some people. <laughs> 
And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm getting lightheaded. <laughs> the promise. Hey, good news. What's that? You're going to catch one in the keister. There it is. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. What do you think about Terry Funk in retrospect? In retrospect, I think that he was a pioneer. and Of what? Hardcore wrestling. Mm, I would... Mm, let me interject. Sorry. Please. Texas. I don't know that it's he was the pioneer. Texas was uh, as a territory was known for that stuff because of it's Texas and there's barbed wire around. Yes. So it was pretty common practice that they would have these barbed wire matches as big blow off matches and stuff. Yes. And he's from Texas, so you know it, he happens to be part of that. But I wouldn't. Give him all the credit for it. I wouldn't. Okay, well, maybe not give him all the credit for it, but at the same time, he brought it to a national level uh, and an international level because yes, um, you know, he, it's him going to Japan and putting over. You know, he was a legend in Japan, and him putting over all these Japanese guys, Onita, and all this sort of stuff in these sorts of matches probably did them big favors. Oh. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. And I think that I it's it's hard to say anything bad about him because I like that flavor of ice cream. Sure. And I think that everyone should be able to go back and at least watch one match that he had in each decade that he had his career run. What do you think of his I don't even know if you can call it a finisher, but what do you think of his Step over toehold. The spinning toehold. That's right. Uh, I, I <laughs> believe have, you are I, looking within arm's reach into the eyes of your opponent yeah. as you just got his his ankle hooked. Like ha ha! When they could just reach up and punch you in the face. Not the most effective. <laughs> no, but um, in Strangle Mania they call it the crickety crab crunchy. Jesus Christ! You Drunk love- Terry Funk. You love fucking Insane Clown Posse. Oh, my God. I'm not saying that I love him. That is some... <laughs> everything you just said. Drunk Terry, Terry Flunk. Flunk. That's a lame joke, and so is this Crispy Crab Crunchy business. <laughs> I'm okay with lame jokes. Oh, fair enough. Well, you'd have to be, or what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm not ready to end the show. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if that was the way to go home. <laughs> You're like, let's talk in retrospect. Yeah, no, there's there's nothing else I can say, man. Like, I mean, I just... What do you think about Chainsaw Charlie? I thought it was dope, actually, because I really? like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, it was an insane time period. Yes. You were a bit younger than me, but I was... It was strange that... And I guess as the story goes, Pete... Not Pete Dunn. Kevin Dunn. Pete Dunn. Yeah, don't blame his, Pete Dunn for yeah, this. He's too good. Butch. Yeah. Um, oh, humbug. <laughs> you see, he tweeted out recently. He said, uh, Gunther, what a stupid name, and then signed the tweet, Butch. <laughs> <laughs> At least he has a sense of fucking humor. Uh, he's got a job, so that's enough, I guess. But, yep. Um, <laughs> but I, apparently, Kevin Dunn, it was partially his idea of this guy can't be Terry Funk because no one knows who he is. This is another long, another reason in the long list of reasons of why Kevin Dunn needs to, uh, uh, 
Get the fuck out of here. Shave off one inch of his teeth. Oh. I hear he cries if you bring up his teeth. I'm sure he does. Yeah, yeah, I'm not perfect either. I'm not either, man. But hey, dude, maybe you shouldn't be an asshole. <laughs> well, yeah. If you're saying no one knows who Terry Funk is, you're a fucking asshole. All Correct. Right? And <laughs> Precisely. a fucking legend in the industry. And it's like putting panty... And apparently, <laughs> it was partially... Terry's idea, like, I'll be Chainsaw Charlie. I So for me, liking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and once again, I would rather watch a horror movie than an action movie. I was... I Why the baby powder and the pantyhose on your head? Uh, The juicer, man. Huh? You remember, you remember Art Barr when he was the juicer? I don't, He's, but it, sure, it, he, okay. So, uh, he... The, I think that wrestling um there's things that get reactions right audible and visual so the reason why audible works that's the reason why people use cookie sheets and matches sure because it gets a same thing with kendo sticks kendo sticks ain't going nowhere because it makes a noise and then some things are visual um the the visualization of the we talked about it a few episodes back, Darby Allen versus Brody King, mm-hmm. where they used the thumbtacks on the skateboard. Oh, Lord and have mercy. Well, Good God, that match. You 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 kind of groan at it, right? No, but, it was a great match. But for me, I I understand like him missing with the skateboard. Uh-huh. Like you want the thumbtacks to fly everywhere because it creates a visual. You also right. have a responsibility to to not be sued out of existence, unfortunately. It, well, I mean, Dragon Lee would probably get sued quicker than that one because, <laughs> man, my dude like completely took out a kid in the crowd on that dive spot. <laughs> I Lord. think it was on the same night. Yeah, but same it, night. Yeah, but you know, there's some things that get just like visual reactions, and that's well, it, that, that well, it creates thumbtacks flying off of a, a skateboard. Yep, is not what I would consider something that's going to get a visual reaction because those are fucking small and, you know, they're flat as shit. They're thumbtacks. You know, you're not going to see those in the back row. What ideally you want is something that can be appreciated in the back row, right. I think. Well, and baby powder can be. And it, it creates... just looked like his head was smoking as he walked to the ring. And, well, and I don't know whose idea it was, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, it's been used by Art Bar when he was the juicer, and he was a Beetlejuice ripoff. Mm, God, and he that's wrestled. Right. Yes. He wrestled in the baby powder because it made it seem ectoplasmic. And he's like a ghost. So, and the juicer, I forgot. I can't believe you did. Uh, uh, and then you also have Onrayu, who is a Japanese wrestler that I'm a really big fan of. And he did a ghost gimmick and he had baby powder all over him. And anytime he got hit by somebody. It was this big poof and an explosion. Yeah. And he did a really cool spot where he would like close his eyes and his timing was so impeccable and credit to the referee as well. And he would get pinned 
and then one, two, and then instead of doing the Undertaker sit-up, Onryu would lift his hand dead out of the air and then grab the referee's hand so it couldn't count three. Mm. And it always seemed like it it, it was just so fucking cool. <laughs> but, and I, I will say that I I got the Chainsaw Charlie figure, right? And like, oh, chains- there was a figure? <clears throat> there was absolutely a figure. It also, he looked like a scarecrow because it looked like he had like straw coming out of his shirt. Like, yes. Almost like he made himself fatter. <gasps> yeah. And when you're. Was that the case? I would not be surprised if once again, you're, you're trying to look like a horror movie character. Yeah. You know, so the imagery has to be done in a certain way to match the aesthetic of what you're trying to present. I don't, uh, look, I'll say this. Uh, the minute it, look, if I'm running my own promotion and Terry Funk, one of the most craziest persons when he gets on the other side of the curtain. Um, when this guy comes to me and says, Hey, I got a hot idea. I want to be chainsaw Charlie mm-hmm. and I'm going to go out there with a chainsaw. I would have stopped him at that point and go, no. Well, but then that's <laughs> when you give him limp biscuit as the theme music break stuff, skin your ass raw. Was that his theme music? No, but that's what I would have given him. I'm just saying, I don't trust fucking Terry Funk in a wrestling arena with a fucking chainsaw. That's, that's the appeal. Because it makes everyone scared. Uh, yeah, including the guy <laughs> who's running the whole shit. Like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking be out of business. I, and I think that I... I he'd come out with the shit on. And yeah. He'd like, he would like run it into the stairs so he'd get some sparks. But, yep. you know, sparks are just hot metal that are flying into the audience. And, and, and I, I came from a background of working at haunted houses. And I was a chainsaw clown for a very long period of time. That what a that's a subcategory a chainsaw clown. I was one of the first chainsaw clowns for them. And so we have traditional clowns, we have hobo clowns, we yes. have French clowns, Cirque du Soleil style, and we have chainsaw. Yeah, chainsaw clowns. Whatever you say. So all all <laughs> Do I you can, only get work once a year. I I I I learned very valuable things. I learned that people are scared as fuck of clowns but they're more scared of clowns with chainsaws. And I, I, one of my favorite moments was I was always at the end of the house and I would chase people down. I was the last thing. Right. And I worked for fright dome, which for those that are not Vegas locals, I'm scared of Dracula's, <laughs> you know, because when you see one, you never have a, a, a sharpened, uh, a steak of wood on load. Our garlic. <laughs> Uh, they're they're called vampires, sir. And I'm I, scared I, of those Dracula. I, I appreciate the fact that you're calling them Draculas and Frankenstein's. Yes, <laughs> perfect. And so I, I would always wait, and I would hide, and it was like a little tiny hallway, and it was in Circus Circus Hotel and Casino. Uh, they have the Adventure Dome yeah. that would, I don't know if it's happened in a while. It may be coming back. Fright Night? It would call Fright Dome. Oh, right? Fright Dome. And I was one of the uh, first scare actors for the first like five years that they were open. Oh, I didn't know that. Me and my friends were, yeah. And it was a fun way to make money seasonally. And there was a period of time where you had to go through an audition process mm. and things of that nature. And we were, we were part of the first crew of people that were doing that type of stuff. And it was a lot of fun, but there was one day and it was a, it was a couple 
And as in most scenarios, some girls do not do well with haunted houses. I'll tell you, count me among those ladies. Yes. I am a little girl. I'm not allowed to go into haunted houses. (laughs) Uh, Self-imposed, by the way, because I will curse out whoever jumps out of me. It doesn't matter what they're dressed <laughs> as. They could be a clown with a chainsaw oh, or, I, or I, a wolf man or I've, they could just be another human being. I'll go, fuck you. What the fuck are you doing? I would get punched probably about two to three times a week. Hey, and you kind of deserve it. Yeah. Oh, and I, oh, I wore like a badge of honor. Sure. You know, and there was a guy that he had his girlfriend. His girlfriend was uh, to the right of him. And she was holding his right hand with her left hand, and she was walking along the wall of the hallway, and they completely walked past me without even realizing I was there. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to get her bearings, and she's hyperventilating, Mm -hmm. and then she finally like stops and puts her hand against the wall, and I'm within a mere couple feet of her and she doesn't even realize that I'm there and she stops and she's catching her breath and she's like, I'm so glad we're out of that. And then (laughs) I'm like, no, you're not. And I rev up the chainsaw and then the boyfriend swings out and brings the girl around to the opposite side of him. You had the chain off the chainsaw. Of course the chain, the chain's always off the chainsaw, but it still makes the noise. Right. Of course. And you can still smell the gasoline and like, then they see me come out of the corner and they see that I'm dressed up like a clown and I start maniacally laughing and then they both scream and they wrap around themselves as the girl is trying to take off running and he ends up essentially just swinging her head first into the side of the wall and just smash. And I like stopped the chainsaw because like she fucked herself up. It's your fault. It is. <laughs> and I looked at them both and I'm like, oh man, is she okay? And then she looks at him and she looks at me. Yeah, I'm okay. And I'm like, that's really good. Fucking run! And I revved up the chainsaw again, and they fucking split. It was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Good lord, your whole life is kayfabe. Yeah. Except for wrestling. Yes, sir. Turnbuckle Boogie is a Devo Looter production and is produced by Timothy Styles and Cody Hancock web production and music provided by timothy styles for more information go to turnbuckleboogie.com and for booking information on cutthroat cody hancock go to cutthroatcody.com see you next monday